podcast with hot takes on self-care, parenting, work, and new adventures. Join us on everything from Texas wine to Generation Alpha Parenting. Hello and welcome to A Glass and Sass. I'm Dawn. And I'm Neely. Hey Dawn, what's in our glass? Today in our glass is the Not So Irish Coffee. It surprise, tribute, surprise. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Yes, it is in tribute to my Irish friend over here and our love for coffee. And so I'm going to let Neely explain how she made this lovely not so Irish coffee. So traditional Irish coffee is made with whiskey. Usually it's a Irish whiskey of some sort. But I thought, huh, I'm going to make it with coffee liqueur instead. So those of you that are not whiskey fans, try coffee liqueur in place of the whiskey in any recipe that you can find. But the way I made this is one cup of freshly brewed coffee You can also do espresso. If you prefer espresso, you just got to brew a little bit more. Uh, One tablespoon of brown sugar in each glass. One and one half ounce of Mr. Black cold brew coffee liqueur. And somewhere between an eighth and a fourth of a cup of heavy whipping cream. Uh, That'll give you about two glasses worth of whipped but pourable whipped cream. So what do I mean by that? So if you buy heavy whipping cream, usually you're buying it for some recipe or you're actually going to get your little blender out and you're going to blend it into whipped cream. You don't want to get it that stiff. You're going to get it like halfway in between the liquid and really stiff whipped cream. Mm. That's how you get that pour on the top that you see with Irish coffee. Mm -hmm. So, and you do that with the back of a spoon. So you whip it. It kind of like... I describe it like lava. Like, so when you go to pour it out, it should come out like lava, like that texture, right? Um, Or consistency. So you uh, turn a spoon upside down and you pour it gently over the top of the coffee. But anyway, so what you do is you get your mug, a footed mug or a glass, and you, uh, you can add hot water to it to preheat the glass. So when the coffee goes in, it's not going to get colder, right? Love that. But in a pinch, you don't have to do that. I did not do that today. Um, But you add brown sugar to the bottom of the glass. And then you can add your whatever uh, liquor that you're going to decide to do. So we did the Mr. Black cold brew coffee liqueur. You add that in on top of the brown sugar. You give it a good stir. Um, If you're using whiskey, you would use whiskey at that time. And then once it's settled, you pour your coffee in till about three-fourths full. You get your spoon, you turn it upside down, and you gently pour that whipped heavy cream on the top, and you're ready to go. Mm. Serve it hot. Awesome. So the measurements that you gave for the recipe, was that for one or for two cups? You can probably do two with that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just checking because I wasn't sure. Yep. I I might try and make it one day. Yeah. I you You share all of your recipes with me, and... I just come and let you make it for me. It's fine. I mean, just choose the ones you like, girl. I'm going to add a little bit more coffee to that recipe because I feel like most people will want more. I want more coffee. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was really tasty. It is definitely I feel like it's more coffee flavored. Yeah. And I don't get the so like when I normally get an Irish coffee with the was it whiskey? Mm -hmm. I get the the Yeah, I get warm. No, I it doesn't burn. (laughs) I'm just warm. Like so you get it and it's like it warms up your whole innards. Right. I don't get like the warming up of my whole innards, but I don't necessarily always want my whole inner innards warm, especially in summer heat. So this is like the perfect yeah. dessert drink or after dinner drink. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm enjoying it. Yay. Good. I'm glad you like it. So we'll put that recipe on our post so you can see how to make it. Yes. And so, you know, thanks for listening to what's in our glass. And just so you know, guys, it almost reminds me of uh, before I finish that sentence that I was about to say. It almost reminds me of um, a Guinness. <laughs> it does look like a Guinness. You can do baby Guinness shots, and you, you pretty much do it without the extra coffee. Oh, You yeah. do it with coffee liqueur in the, the top, like on a clear shot glass. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, I was like, I was looking at this, I was like, what does yeah. this remind me of? The whole time I was drinking, I was I know to way too many things. Like, yes, you do. But that's okay. Tune in to this year's St. Patrick's Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my... My Irish friend will get you. I got my 2%, but right. she has way more than that. Right. So now truly thank you for listening to what is in our glass and our not. What was it called? Not so Irish coffee? Not so Irish coffee. Yes. Stay tuned for a little bit of sass. Disclaimer. Neither Dawn nor Neely. Our sommeliers are experts of any kind when it comes to wine. We hold no degree, no certification, no professional experience in wine. The sass expressed in this program is that of Dawn and Neely and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they mention or represent. Welcome back. To our SAS, and today, in honor of National Coffee Day and International Coffee Day, we're going to give you a little bit of uh, background history on coffee. Yes, ma'am. So, I'm going to start by letting you all know about National Coffee Day, and that is on September 29th. Um, the information that I'm sharing came from National itday.com slash national coffee day um the history of national coffee day seems a bit well cloudy we believe september 29th came about as a jolting reminder to get back to work following a long summer even though it's a full week after the first day of fall after all americans have turned procrastination into an art form on the other hand The history of coffee itself clearly goes back to the 15th century Yemen. Check out Dave Edgar's recent book for a fascinating look at how it all went down. As for Europeans, they got their first taste about 100 years later, with Venice leading the way. Per the National Coffee Association, it wasn't a smooth ride. Some people reacted to this new beverage with suspicion or fear, calling it the bitter invention of satan hmm that's a little extreme right <laughs> i love my bitter invention of satan <laughs> i feel like that's what i'm gonna call coffee from now on i know oh, that's a cool name 
<laughs> the local clergy condemned coffee when it came to Venice in 1615. The controversy was as great was so great that Pope Clement VIII was asked to intervene. He decided to taste the beverage for himself before making a decision and found the drink so satisfying that he gave it papal approval. Mainland Europe's first official coffee house, no, they didn't serve lattes, opened in Venice around 1645. Back in the U.S., if it weren't for the Boston Tea Party in 1773, Americans may never have swapped tea for coffee. When the colonies revolted against King George III's hefty tea tax, tea was out and coffee was in. Things really started to percolate in the mid-1800s when brothers John and Charles Arbuckle started selling coffee to cowboys in the American West. James Folger, that might sound familiar, successfully introduced coffee to gold miners in California. Upon returning to San Francisco in 1865, Folger became a full partner of the Pioneer Steam Coffee and Spice Mills, which eventually became the J.A. Folger & Co. in 1872. Other brands, including Maxwell House and Hills Brothers, soon entered the coffee market. A yearning for specialty coffee took hold in the 1960s. Pete's began offering a variety of coffee in 1966, and a little Seattle company called Starbucks changed everything in 1971. Today, the U.S. coffee shop market has grown to a $45.4 billion industry. According to Allegra World Coffee Portal's 2019 Project Cafe USA report, dry coffee sales topped $9 billion in 2017 in the U.S. Thanks, King George III. So, many of you all know I'm a numbers girl, so I thought that this would be a little bit of interesting. Oh, you got to nerd it out? I got, to, I got to nerd it out. Okay. So, we're going to do right. my little nerdiness now, and we're going to do National Coffee Day by Numbers. Go. 75%. Caffeine consumed by Americans that comes as a coffee. 66% of women drink coffee every day. Compared to 62% of men who drink coffee every day. 100 is the age a coffee plant can live up to. 5.7 billion is the pounds of coffee Brazil exports every year. 3.1 is the number of coffees the average American drinks each day. 400 million is the coffees consumed throughout America every day. And 146 billion are the coffees consumed in, America's, in America each year. That's a lot of coffee. Well, we like our coffee. We do like our coffee. And that number of coffees the average American drinks each day is true for me. That's true for me, too. Yeah, for sure. So that's interesting. Oh, and the age of a coffee plant, they can live up to 100. That is fascinating. <laughs> I mean, coffee plants can get old. Yep, centurion coffee plants. <laughs> I wonder how to, like, 
how the beans taste of a hundred year old plant versus like a, a 10 year old plant. Mm-hmm. Like what that coffee we have to go to the coffee like. experts for that. Right. I'm like, so how was I mean, we would have to live a long, like we'd have to plant one when we were what? 10, well, like, no, not even born. that. Just go find a place that has like a hundred year old one and be like, Can Girl, I, get some I know, but how beans? are we going to get the beans from when it was 10 years old? I mean, we're only or berries, we're only 40, so we could do a 10 year old 40 ish. <laughs> so, 10 years from now, we'd still be drinking coffee. I feel like we could do a 10 year, we go like every 10 years and taste the same plants, mm-hmm. coffee, coffee beans. beans, or berries. Yeah, so we would be crazy if we did that. But I feel like I want to know what that would taste like. And then I can be like, I can be like Beethoven and instead of saying, instead of saying, I need my 60 beans for my coffee, I can be like, I need coffee beans from a 20-year-old plant. I don't want coffee beans from a 10-year-old plant or a 30-year-old plant. I need it from a 20-year-old plant. And get my OCD on. I know, but they never put like how old your coffee beans are. Well, I guess on every your bag. ten years, I'm planting a plant. It's interesting. Getting my own berries. I feel like they would get in worse quality. I don't know if they go to. 100, I feel like though. I feel like it would not be great. Like it's hanging on for dear life. I don't know. At ninety nine, with age, I just feel like no. Well. Should we talk about International Coffee Day? I feel like we should. Okay. So International Coffee Day is on October 1st, the day after. Two days after. Two days after National Coffee Day. So the history of International Coffee Day. So this is from nationaltoday.com backslash international dash coffee dash day. So according to historical records, coffee is originally from Ethiopia and its discovery in Africa comes with an interesting story. Around the 1700s, 700s, eight, 700s sorry, 700s AD, a herd of goats started acting strangely, almost as if they were dancing. Their owner, Kaldi, discovered that they were eating a sort of red bean and concluded that was, that was the cause of their behavior. Kaldi decided to share his findings with a monk who required something that could help him to stay awake all night as he prayed. But another story claims that the monk refused and threw the beans into the fire and the pleasing aroma that came from it was just wonderful. (laughs) I don't want your stinking beans. I'm throwing them in the fire. Wait, wait, wait. What's that delicious smell? (laughs) Suddenly, coffee made its way through the north into Yemen in the 15th century, where the beans arrived by the name Mocha. Oh, oh, okay. I just learned something. Right. Shortly after, they became well-known in Egypt, Persia, and Turkey as wine of Araby. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The coffee houses started to open by the name of Schools of the Wise. Our other coffee brand, mm-hmm. Schools of the Wise. Next, Arabia became the gatekeeper for coffee, and these beans began to began a large-scale coffee farming in southern India. In 1560, coffee made its way through Europe and quickly became popular, until Pope Clement VIII decided that the drink must be Santanic. Under inspection, he gave into the glory of the beverage by baptism and declared it a Christian drink. 
As the 1600s rolled on and coffee houses sprung up all over Europe, the, the beans followed the wave of colonization and found themselves in America. Finally, after a long time among humanity in 2014, the International Coffee Organization declared October 1st as International Coffee Day, an association to celebrate coffee as a beverage and raise awareness for the plight of coffee growers. Hmm. That's pretty interesting in cool. history, right? Yep. We're going to dive into some facts about coffee that we all need to know. So fact number one, long live coffee. According to a Harvard's Health Publishing study, coffee drinkers tend to live longer, plus they have a reduced risk of cardiovascular disease. Also, it's a precious treasure. Coffee is the second largest traded commodity right after crude oil and the most consumed beverage after water. Hmm. I would have thought tea, so that's very interesting. Right? It's coffee. Yeah. Agreed. I would think it was tea, too. The drink for creative and artistic people. Even Beethoven was a coffee lover. It is well known that he used to count his beans before making the brew. Mostly 60 per cup. Was so. that, like, just obsession, or...? That would be my guess, because, like, if I'm going to sit there and have to count out how many beans I need in my coffee. He had, I mean, clearly the man was, like, obsessed with coffee. time on his hands because he was a brilliant composer, but also he could count his beans. Mm-hmm. All right. Not a bean, a berry. Coffee beans are called beans just because of their resemblance, but they're actually a berry. Hmm. Coffee resembles a neurotransmitter. For medicine and psychology, caffeine is a central nervous system stimulant. And that is because it has a similar molecule structure to the... Adenosine. There you go. Which allows it to bind to adren- uh, adenosine receptors on the brain. There you go. Woohoo! Yes. Hooked on phonics work for me. Well, no, that's interesting. It is very I didn't know that it was. Uh, I didn't know that it was similar in structure to that one. So that's cool. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna get more into the history of coffee, and we found out there's actually a National Coffee Association USA. So didn't know that, but as Don pointed out, there's probably an association for everything. everything yes. So <laughs> why wouldn't everything. there be one for coffee? Exactly. <laughs> So, in the history of coffee, no one knows exactly how or when coffee was discovered, though there are many legends about its origins. Oh, like we touched upon before, there was the uh, Ethiopian legend, right? How'd that go again, Neely? So, coffee growers worldwide can trace its heritage back to centuries, back centuries to the ancient coffee forests on the Ethiopian plateau. So, as we mentioned before, there was this goat herder named Kaldi. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Kaldi first discovered the potential of these beloved beans. The story goes that Kaldi discovered coffee after he noticed that after eating the berries from a certain tree, his goats became so energetic that they did not want to sleep at night. 
Caldi reported his findings to the abbot of the local monastery, who made a drink with the berries and found that it kept him alert through, through the long hours of his evening prayer. The abbot shared his discovery with the other monks at the monastery and knowledge of the energizing berries became began to spread. As word moved through the east and coffee reached the Arabian Peninsula, it began a journey which would bring these beans across the globe. Hmm. I love that story. I love the story of the goats eating the berries and dancing the night away. I'm here for, like, goats eating coffee beans and being insane. Like, what? Could you imagine what they were doing? Like, were they just prancing around the fields? Like, this poor herder was like, can you go to sleep? And they're like, nope. I love it. I'm here for that. I just want to go give coffee. I just want to like take goats, coffee beans now and be like, and see, how they, see how they see how they the berries, to it, like, right? But I'm curious, like, so like if you, so you know, we grind it and you know, boil it in the water, or whatever, and they were just eating it, like. <laughs> but I feel like eating it like light straight off the bush, like has more the- caffeine because the lighter roast coffees have more caffeine. Hmm. Darker roast has less. Less. So I'm curious, like, I bet it's like full caffeine. Could you imagine? Oh, those goats were like crunk. They were like, yes. They were like, hey. Where did you get these here? berries? <laughs> I need to go look. What was that tree again? They're, they're telling people that the, the goats are like, why are you so excited? What were you doing? Oh, I hate a berry off this tree. Where's the tree? Let me show you. As he's like, Girl, why are we talking about goats so much? Why do we love these goats? Goat and why coffee. are we talking like they're humans and they're actually communicating? Let me take you to my berry tree. <laughs> Maybe we've had too much coffee ourselves. <laughs> yes, maybe that Irish, that not-so-Irish coffee is getting to us. Right. So then what happened after they went from Ethiopia? So the Arabian Peninsula. Okay. Coffee cultivation and trade began on the Arabian Peninsula. By the 15th century, coffee was being grown in the Yemeni district of Arabia. And by the 16th century, it was known in Persia... Egypt, Syria, and Turkey. Coffee was not only enjoyed in homes, but also in the many public coffee houses called. Oh, okay. that's a name. Right? Kanehe, yep. I guess, or something to that effect, which began to appear in cities across the Near East. The popularity of the coffee houses was unequaled and people frequented them for all kinds of social activity Hmm. not only did the patrons drink coffee and engage in conversation but they also listened to music watched performers played chess and kept current on the news coffee houses quickly became such an important center for the exchange of information that they were often referred to as Uh, schools of the wise see I, i love this where are you going? I'm not going to Starbucks anymore. I'm going to the School of the Wise. Schools of the Wise. That's what I'm going to call I'm going to go get my pumpkin spice latte at Schools, Schools of, of the, the Wise. wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. With thousands of pilgrims visiting the holy city of Mecca each year from all over the world, knowledge of these wine of Arabay began to spread. So then coffee comes to Europe. European travelers to the Near East brought back stories of an unusual dark black beverage. By the 17th century, coffee had made its way to Europe and was becoming popular across the continent. Some people reacted to this new beverage with suspicion or fear, calling it a 
bitter invention of <laughs> Satan. Listen, these people need to calm down. I'm going to go to the... <laughs> Schools of the wise. Of the wise and get and my... have me a bitter invention of Satan. <laughs> you go to Starbucks and order. I'm going to start walking up to people. <laughs> and I go to the school of the wise and get a bitter invention of Satan. You want one? <laughs> I'm going straight to Starbucks drive-thru and asking them for the bitter invention of Satan. And Excuse like, me, ma'am. Uh, we don't have it on the menu. Like one pump or two. <laughs> No, ma'am, this is Starbucks. Is it not known as a school of the wise? Oh, my God. Oh. They're going to call like a psych hold, a psych hold on us. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we have this lady. Uh, wait, she like keeps she... repeating herself. <laughs> okay. okay, so let's go back. Let's go back, y'all. Okay, so some people reacted to this new beverage with a suspicion of fear, calling it the bitter invention of Satan, the B-I-S. <laughs> The local clergy condemned coffee. Hold on. The local clergy condemned coffee when it came to Venice in 1615. The controversy was so great that Pope Clement VIII was asked to intervene. He decided to taste the beverage for himself. We already discussed Mm -hmm. before making his decision and found the drink so satisfying that he gave it a papal approval. Despite such controversy coffee houses were quickly becoming centers of social activity and communications in the major cities of england austria france germany and holland in england penny universities sprang up so called because for the price of a penny one could purchase a cup of coffee and engage in a stimulating conversation so not only are we the school of wise, but we're the Penny University. I'm like, so do y'all have some Penny Universities around here? Because y'all's, y'all's coffee is a bit expensive. I go to Starbucks and give them a penny when I pull up to the drive-thru. This is for my Penny University. I need my stimulating co- conversation and coffee, please. Like, ma'am, this is 1850, <laughs> not a penny. I'm gonna need 1849 more. Okay, so coffee began to replace the common breakfast drink beverages of the time beer and wine so hold on so hold on let's run that back run that back so what breakfast beverages they were they were getting sorted oh man okay beer and wine for breakfast i mean coffee spoiled the fun i guess right those who drank coffee instead of alcohol began the day alert and energized and not surprisingly the quality of their work was greatly improved we like to think of this as a precursor to the modern office coffee service. Hmm. By the mid-17th century, there were over 300 coffee houses in London, many of which attracted like-minded patron, patron, really, <laughs> patrons, 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 <laughs> why can I not say that word right now? Patrons? Patrons, including merchants, shippers, brokers, and artists. Many businesses grew out of these specialized coffee houses. Lloyd's of London, for example, came into existence at the Edward Lloyd's Coffee House. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. So the New World. In the mid-1600s, coffee was brought to New Amsterdam, later called New York by the British. 
Though coffee houses rapidly began to appear, tea continued to be the favored drink in the New World until 1773, when the colonists revolted against a heavy tax on tea imposed by King George III. The revolt known as the Boston Tea Party would forever change the Americans' drinking preference to coffee. Coffee, the favorite drink of the civilized world, Thomas Jefferson. There's some PR. Right? So, I don't remember learning that after the Boston Tea Party happened in history that we all drink coffee. I don't remember learning that either. I, I know that we threw all the tea in the water, but I didn't know that. Yeah, because then we needed something to drink. What did we drink after that? We go back to beer and wine? No, apparently coffee. Café. Café. The, hold on, what is it? <laughs> the beverage of Satan or whatever? Okay, anyway. Plantations <laughs> around the world. As demand for the beverage continued to spread, there was, a, there was fierce competition to cultivate coffee outside of Arabia. The Dutch finally got seedlings in the latter half of the 17th century. Their first attempts to plant them in India failed, but they were successful with their efforts in Batavia on the island of Java. Right? In what is now Indonesia. The plants thrived, and soon the Dutch had a productive and growing trade in coffee. They then expanded the cultivation of coffee trees to the islands of Sumatra and Celeb. Celebs, I guess. Celebes. Yep. But Sumatra coffee, I've heard of. Java, you know. Hey, yeah. you get your so cup the, of Java. So the Dutch, the that's, Dutch are responsible for that. That's pretty cool. Okay. So now we're going to bring it home, guys. We're coming to America. <laughs> Americas. <laughs> we're coming to all of the Americas. Okay, Americas. I was trying to name my spoof on coming to America, but okay. Coming to the Americas. Sorry. <laughs> In 1714, the mayor of Amsterdam presented a gift of a young coffee plant to King Louis the uh, it's 15th, 14th, 14th of France. Gotta remember, gotta learn my Roman numerals. The king ordered it to be planted in the Royal Botanical Garden in Paris. In 1723, a young naval officer, Gabriel de Clue, is that how you say it? Clue? Mm-hmm. Obtained a seedling from the king's plant. Despite a challenging voyage, complete with horrendous weather, a saboteur who tried to destroy the seedling. <laughs> And a pirate attack. <laughs> what is happening? They don't like Gabriel. They didn't, they didn't want him to bring that coffee to the they Americas. They said, no, give me that seedling. He managed to transport it safely to Martinique. Once planted, the seedling not only thrived, but it credit, it's credited with the spread of over 18 million coffee trees on the island of Martinique in the next 50 years. Even more incredible is that the seedling was the parent of all coffee trees throughout the Caribbean, South, and Central America. That's crazy, right? So you plant, you just... Yeah. Horticulture, is that what it's called? You yeah. plant your, your, your little seedling tree and you take a little thing off and you transport it. I mean, yeah, I mean, think of how much, like, Costa Rican coffee we drink, like, all, the, I mean... 
And then I'm curious, like, the different soils in the different places is probably how we get the different flavors mm-hmm. of the different coffees that we have today. But listen, if, if the saboteur who tried to destroy the seedling or the pirate attack were successful, maybe we wouldn't have coffee over in the Americas. So what would we be drinking? Because we wouldn't have tea, and then we wouldn't have had coffee. Beer and wine. Duh. Oh, that's true. We'd be having beer and wine in the mornings, guys. That would that, that would lead to a productive day. We would probably be having, what is it, a Cessna? What do they call it? A, not a Cessna. What is it when you... Siesta. Siesta. In the middle of the day every day, because <laughs> the no. effects of the beer and wine by midday. Know, our work days would be quite interesting. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, half of the stuff that got invented or created probably would not have been invented or created because we'd be like, okay, it's new. It's noon. I'm done with work now. <laughs> it's time for me to go take a siesta. <laughs> um, okay, so the famed Brazilian coffee owns its existence to Francisco de Melo Paleta? Paleta? Pajita? 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 Hmm. Who was sent by the emperor to French Guiana to get coffee seedlings. Hmm. The French were not willing to share, but the French governor's wife, captivated by his good looks, Uh (laughs) gave him a large bouquet of flowers before he left. Buried inside were enough coffee seeds to begin what is today a billion-dollar industry. Get out. Right? She was like, hey, cat daddy, here, let me give you these beans. They're going to be in the bottom of these flowers, okay? You just don't open this bouquet till you get home. <laughs> but isn't it weird that a woman is giving him a bouquet of flowers? Like, I would be like, excuse me? What did her husband say? I know, right? The, the governor's like... That's not normal. I don't think so. Okay. Memories and... I'm tra- uh, sorry. Missionary... <laughs> Memories and travelers. <laughs> Missionaries and travelers... Traders and colonists continued to carry coffee seeds to new lands, and coffee trees were planted worldwide. Plantations were established in magnificent tropical forests and on rugged mountain highlands. Some crops flourished, while others were short-lived. New nations were established on coffee, coffee economies. Fortunes were made and lost. By the end of the 18th century, Coffee had become one of the world's most profitable export crops. After crude oil, coffee is the most sought commodity in the world. That's insane. I would have never thought that. So this is, this little plant has literally traveled the world. Starting in Ethiopia. It grows so many places, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's crazy, right? And so what... You don't hear that for a lot of things, I guess. Like, I don't know. You're not like, oh, this flower can grow everywhere. Right. You know? And then there's some places that, it, of course, didn't yeah. succeed. But it's it's crazy to me to think that something that was native to one land... Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have all this, don't you bring those plants over here? Right, right. Now... Well, maybe that's what the saboteur was... He's like, don't you take that plant on that boat. <laughs> Like, no, it's going to invade all of the other lands. But it's crazy that that one's there. And then from that, which I'm guessing, like I said, just regionally, Mm -hmm. like it grew, but it might have adapted to wherever it was. Right. So that's why you have the different different flavors, the different, you know, all of that, which is like so fascinating. They got bred differently. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Like when they said established in tropical forests and on rugged mountain highlands. 
Jamaican uh, Blue Mountain coffee. Mm-hmm. So good. Like the real stuff. Mm-hmm. And not everything that has the label on that is the real, real stuff. stuff. Right. It's so good, but it can only be grown in the Blue Mountains in Jamaica. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that you, you have to think about when you think about this too is how would those countries, especially the ones that produce a lot of it, that are getting the um, economic boost from yes, right. the uh, exporting of the coffee bean, what, where would they be without that? Like if, if they didn't get the gift of the seedling or whatever to start the coffee in their mm-hmm. region, how would they be now? Would they be where they are now or would it be like would there something else have happened or would they be, you know, one of the more destitute countries or Yeah, cities? because every time it moved, it seemed to be for some, I'm not scandalous is not the right word, but just some weird way that it, like... It got there, yeah. You know. But could you imagine, like, if it didn't happen? So let's say, yeah. oh boy, uh, the wife only didn't... get it in Ethiopia. Right, like, right. Like, one, how expensive would it be for us? Would we still be drinking it? Right. If it was only available oh, no. there? no. And then, two, like, the the wife, like, if the wife hadn't given the means to the one guy, like... right. They just wouldn't have had it. Would he have tried, like, another island? Like, how does that work? Right. Um, it's just interesting yeah. that all of it comes full circle like that. Like, I think that's kind of cool. And to fast forward today, like, how many types of coffees there are. I mean, we kind of take for granted just being able to have coffee, coffee. in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're like, oh, wait, hold on. This had a whole oh. migration history. <laughs> right. And then it's like, on top of that, it's like the different styles. So... You have, you know, your jerk coffee. You have your, yep. you know, not all beans are created equal for all that. Yep. You have your cold brews now. You have your mochas. You have your lattes. You have your, you know, all all these different style coffees that all just originally started from a monk putting it in some hot water. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Well, the goats. okay, the goats, but the human-wise. Human-wise. No, but this human is why wise. I love goats. Because if it wasn't for these goats... So hold on, but was it so now my question is, remember like there's that one coffee that's like the poop of whatever? Excuse me? Yeah, the bean that like it has to be come from like like something has to eat it and then excrement and it's like a hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't know coffee. what she's talking about. You need to go ahead and go to Google right now and tell these people what you're talking about because right can't now think of the name of it. You sound like you're going to drink Satan's brew at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? Kofi Lawak. It's also known as Kivet coffee. Is a coffee that contains or that consists of partially digested coffee cherries, which have been eaten and defecated by the have been eaten by the Asian palm civet. These cherries are fermented as they pass through the civet's intestines, and after being defecated with other fecal matter, they are collected. Uh, Asian palm cavets are increasingly caught in the wild and traded for this purpose. Can you Google what a cavet is? What is a cavet? This little guy. How did people find this out? <laughs> Who's like, oh, Y'all, let me look at this. this, let me how look do you this spell it? Tell the people how to spell it so they can Google this, this animal, this cute little unassuming animal. It is C-I-V-E-T. It's also call, uh, called common palm civet. A toddy cat in Masing. It's native to South and Southeast Asia. Okay, so this thing, this animal, 
eats mm-hmm. the berries and they digest and get fermented and then they what then brew the coffee from after they clean all the excrement off and stuff they brew this coffee Traditionally, excremented coffee beans were collected directly in plantations and forests. As the international demand for kopi luwak increased, some producers turned to caged production methods to increase yields. In 2014, the annual kopi luwaka production was grossly estimated at less than 127 kilograms. It is produced in Indonesia, East Timor, the Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, and Ethiopia. The taste varies with the type of origin of excrement beans, processing, roasting, aging, and brewing. The ability of the civet to select its berries and other aspects of the civet's diet and health, like stress levels, may also influence the processing and hence the taste. I am like mouth on like jaw on the floor like what are my hearing what is so do you want to so i said a hundred i was off so it says one of the most so it's one of the most expensive coffees in the world selling for between 220 dollars and 1100 dollars per kilogram who would do this it's a hundred dollars and five hundred dollars a pound and that was in 2010 Okay, so I would like to know if any of our listeners <laughs> have ever had this kind of coffee. <laughs> what is... Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, people do the darndest things. Mm-hmm. We, we're interesting what we find out and do. And I mean, I like the goat story better where they're acting all hyped up. I mean, here we are. So, yeah. And so I guess, I guess PETA at one point did some investigations and found that there was fraud to be rifled in the Kopi Luwaka industry where producers were willing to label coffee from the caged ones with it saying it was wild sourced. So they had them caged up and were saying that they were... Exactly. And I'm like, if they're selecting them based on, and you would imagine in the wild, which is I'm guessing why the taste might be different too, they're probably picking the most ripe whatever because as that animal that might be like that's what they feed on you know what i mean well and they also said that it, you know the taste differs by their stress diet level. and stress yeah so i can't imagine that the caged animals are producing very good tasting i mean not that we know what maybe the stressed ones produce better tasting ones i don't know yeah i, I can't believe i'm having this conversation but right yeah now. so now you know i'm not completely back crap no. <laughs> I, I actually, like I said, I, I I didn't know the name of it, but I knew that there was some kind of animal that pooped the beans, and it was like a very expensive coffee. That's interesting. And I'm like, I don't want pooped bean coffee. Like, that doesn't I mean, sound... Whatever. I like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to pay $500 a pound. Like, none of that. So I'm good. But isn't that crazy, though? And here you are. You're like, no, Google that. <laughs> <laughs> because... I don't understand anything you're saying right now. It's a thing. That is crazy, though. Okay, well, us humans, we're we're interesting. I just want to know how they found it out the first time, though. Like, somebody was rifling through this animal's... They were walking. They are like, I think that's uh, coffee bean excrement. Let me scoop it up and see if I can't brew this myself. And then it's like, how do you... Like, at what temperature do you do it so that you're not getting, like, (laughs) sick off of the poops? No matter how much you... I'm so sorry that we're talking about this No, but I'm just thinking thinking about it. No matter how much you rinse it, there's still poop on it. (laughs) (laughs) 
have to roast. You have to roast the heck out of them beans. Okay. You You're like, hold on. What's that smell? It's my coffee. Hold on. No, no, no. It's not your coffee. It's not your coffee. What was that called? You need to take that back down right now. The whatever of Satan. Take it back the, right now. The intervention, the invention of Satan. Uh huh. Nope. Yep. Them going back. Oh my goodness. I'm going to go to the school of the wise and order me some excremented coffee beans. <laughs> no, you need to go to Starbucks and ask for the, what is the animal called? Coke. The civet or whatever. Give the civet coffee. <laughs> the bitter invention of Satan. The bitter invention of Satan. Well, that would be the bitter dirty invention of Satan. <laughs> I mean, maybe that would be the bitter invention of Satan. Maybe that's the coffee. Could thing. you imagine what it smells like, though, when it's brewing? Like, I'm no. just curious. Like, what no. does that smell like? Does it still smell like coffee? I mean, they had to, like, clean it off. I don't know what they cleaned it with, though. But how clean can you really get it? I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't want poop we coffee. We need more investigation. And I, and I, like I said, I couldn't think of the name of it, but I just call it poop coffee. And if you Google poop coffee, it comes up, guys. Because that's what I Googled was poop coffee. Y'all, well, I can tell you right now that for our not-so-Irish coffee, we did not use... The poop coffee? Those beans. Nor do we recommend them. Right. Some people would, but we are not. Nope, nope, nope. Well, thank you for listening to our uh, informative, crazy <laughs> sass on coffee. So we hope you guys go drink some coffee today. Yep. And you let tonight. me know if you try the poop coffee. Yeah. You listen, if anybody knows anything about this coffee or has tasted it, we need to know. Oh, yeah. I want details. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? So like if that's like the common thing that they serve you in Asia, though, is the poop coffee that's the source from. So it might be cheaper there. And you don't even know that you're getting it. That's the Starbucks of Asia. (laughs) Poop coffee. Bitter invention of Satan. All right, y'all. At the school of wise. Don't have that coffee, but go have some. That definitely isn't at Penny University. (laughs) Okay, on that note, thank you for listening. Goodbye. We hope you like it.